0: you movie junkies and cinephiles, it's time for the SLS Cast, with your hosts, Matt and Tim. And welcome, one and all to episode 290 of the SLS Cast. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is the shipyard number of the CSS Alabama episode of the SLS Cast, because it turns out... That the Confederate States ship Alabama, yes, back from the Civil War, y'all. It was made in a shipyard. That shipyard's number was 290. And with that wonderful little build-up knowledge about the CSS Alabama shipyard, I, of course, am Matt. And coming to
1: us all the way from sunny California would be our resident Sony employee, Tim. Tim. Tim, Shippy Tim, Shippy Tim. What a great nickname that would be, Shippy, <laughs> Shippy Tim. Have you ever been on a battleship? I have, as a matter of fact. Ooh, which one? Other than the battleship Texas, which is in San Jacinto.
0: No, I've not been on that one. Uh, I've been on, oh man, I was like six or something. It was a field trip when I when I was in first grade. Uh, we got to go one of the, one of the dads was in the Navy or something like that. And we were able to actually get on the ship and go quite frankly. It might have been a carrier. It might not have even been a battleship. Might oh, really? Yeah.
1: Is this, uh, where were you
0: living? Jacksonville, Florida.
1: Okay. So you're in Florida?
0: Yeah. Now, Circa 1983 ish. So yeah, between 82 and 83, I believe.
1: See that kind of sounds like the beginning of a a classic 80s kids action adventure movie, you know? The mm-hmm. kids go on the, the kids go on a field trip onto a battleship or a carrier because somebody's dad was in the navy and then all of a sudden <laughs> war breaks out. Under Siege Jr. <laughs> Jr. Junior. <laughs> Junior. Junior. <laughs> Junior. <laughs> hunt, the hunt for the red uh I don't know, lunchbox or something. Uh, the hunt for the red rover. Oh, God, this is
0: great. Come on. Uh, Look at this. Uh, Man. Did you ever play Red Rover when you were a kid? Red Rover, Red Rover, send, insert, name of child of the other end of the line, over.
1: I did, but for some reason I was thinking Red Rover was the name of the wagon, the popular Red Wagon, which I know is not even called Red whatever. That Red Flyer, something flyer, right?
0: Yeah, I was going to say it's like Spirit Flyer or
1: something, American Flyer. American Flyer, not Red Flyer, not Rover Uh, Flyer. We know that somebody who's listening to this right now is just like banging their head against, well, I was going to say against the TV. Radio Flyer. Radio Flyer. There we go. Yes, but I, I do like Hunt for Red Rover. I don't know really what the premise would be <laughs> and why they would be hunting for a Red Rover. I,
0: I'm just trying to come up with something that would deal with kids and maritime naval suspense. I mean that's and we're using existing movies as the name well, I, well, uh, you well know. Part,
1: of, part of the well part of the story here is that the kids can't be necessarily involved in the war. They have to be on the ship, hey, and and, and hey. get involved. So, so, need so, I like,
0: remind you that Red Dawn is a movie? All right, those that were just is true. children.
1: They were just kids, but, man. They weren't in elementary school, though. Well,
0: oh, no, but
1: just. But so here, so here's Hunt for Red Rover. <laughs> so I'm thinking Ro- Rover's like a dog, okay? Maybe one of the kids brings their dog, their little pup, like trip. But Clifford's the big red dog. He is no, uh, but. This Clifford is named Rover, and he's a little dog. Maybe not Red, because maybe, maybe this dog ate a secret commie computer chip of some sort, and now the Russians are after that computer chip, and the kids don't know that the that, that little Rover here, the, the dog, ate that commie, communist computer chip, but they lost the dog. So... Mm. All of these, you know, and that's how the kids end up staying on the ship. And the, you know, this is of course after the adults are like, okay, kids, you have to get on this this pontoon boat to go back to Florida. Um, you have to get back to Florida, and of course the kids, one kid sneaks off because he forgot about the, his his dog, can't find his dog, and then the other kids follow suit and sneak back onto the boat. And little do they know, they're 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 caught in Iron Curtain Russia shit. <laughs>
0: Uh Well, you know, if uh, Kevin Smith can be on his podcast and come up with Tusk and get it made, I think I think if we try hard enough, we might be able to get The Hunt for Red Rover made. I uh, it, it's entirely possible.
1: <laughs> I'm down. Next script, <laughs> this is it. The Our very hunt. first SLS cast production the Hunt for the Made Red on Rover. a budget of $500.
0: Uh <sighs> five hundred dollars, look at you, Mr. Big Bucks. Wow. Well this is if I That's start money saving bags. it now. <laughs> huh.
1: This oh. is if I start saving it now and then maybe oh. we shoot it in about five years.
0: Gotcha. Alright. You know, Excellent. i I think I think we can definitely swing that.
1: So. Or radio. Maybe we can maybe that can be like a little radio show we do. A little radio uh we
0: presentation. We've
1: done a sector SLS in like four years, man. We have it now. So no.
0: that would be a fun sector SLS to do. Anyway,
1: so how's <laughs> life treating you? Uh, life is good. I was actually uh, me and the more significant SO. We're gonna go see Mamma Mia two last night, and in preparation, we got the we, you know we got the e ticket dealio. So we we already had seats and everything ready to go, and a the theater that we like going to is literally like seven minutes down the road. So we were really like drinking cocktails and beers beforehand to get in that mindset of seeing Mamma Mia too. And right when we were going to go brush our teeth, we looked down in our hallway and we just saw hundreds of ants on the floor in the hallway. And immediately once you see all those ants, you realize there goes my evening. I have to figure out where these ants are com- coming from on top of killing all of these ants. And it turns out Um, I think part of the reasons why we had this little ant infestation was because I replenished the nectar in my hummingbird feeder, and I guess the hummingbirds were keeping the ants at bay. So when there were no hummingbirds, the ants took over. So within like three hours, ants were just like everywhere. It was super bizarre. That that definitely is bizarre. I will say...
0: That uh, if you even just see one ant ever in your kitchen, near the door or something, that's like that's like the scout. That's like the advanced scout. Kill it. Kill mm-hmm. it immediately. So it cannot go
1: back to tell the others. Hold like a big ceremony for that scout ant? No, no, no. Kind of, I'm big.
0: telling you, you missed the scout ant. And then it was like, it was like, whoa, boy, is there something over here? And then they all came over. All right, man, we're good, you know. So, I
1: don't know, you know, if ants had such a cute voice like that, I don't think I'd be able to kill it. Really? <laughs> I could kill an evil dog, but I probably couldn't kill a, a cute sounding evil ant. Fair but, enough. But that's just me. How, how are you? Uh it sounds like you survived uh, watching the first Mamma Mia?
0: Yeah, did not see the second Mamma Mia and after reviewing the show listens. The only reason I even watched the first Mamma Mia was because I mistakenly thought that the new Mamma Mia was going to be upcoming in the next couple of weeks um, to watch for the show. And so, since that was not the case, I thankfully did not subject myself to the second one. First
1: one's terrible. I don't even understand how it made any money. I. Uh, well, it, it was a lot of it was marketing, it was marketed pretty well. And apparently the sequel is supposed to be pretty good, so that's really one of the only reasons why I, I, I'm i interested in seeing it. Oh, well, well, good on you and
0: God bless you. Go for it, sir.
1: Well, I, I can't now since I wasted my movie pass to go see it. We both did, so I can't even use my SO's movie pass to go see it because we both wasted our fucking E-ticket. Oh,
0: that sucks. I wish I had a landmark near me, because then I could use e-ticketing and still see movies.
1: Oh, uh, you can. Uh,
0: yeah, Movie Pass sucks right now, guys. Just so you know, <laughs> Movie Pass be broke, and Movie Pass, <laughs> Movie Pass is. Uh, and I love. Okay, hang on, hang on. I love this. I'm, I'm gonna check and see because I did check on this uh, on Saturday. Yeah, oh, it's still here. This is hilarious. MoviePass. If you go to MoviePass.com right now, it says unlimited, any theater, any movie, any day, only nine ninety five a month. Get started. See plans. Um, yeah, let's put an asterisk uh, next to unlimited, an asterisk next to any theater, an asterisk next to any movie, an asterisk next to every of any day, and an asterisk uh, next to the 995, because none of these things are fucking true. None of them. Um, and it's literally just a joke now. So, <sighs> but whatever. Everybody is I just, have until the 17th just... so of August to jump ship, if I'm going to jump. And yeah. uh, coincidentally, that'll have, I'll have at least made a year. So that was... That was something. Uh, Apparently, you can go to matinee movies before 5 o'clock between Monday and Wednesday sometimes. That's when you can go to to movies with movie (laughs) pads. I'm sorry. uh, I'm sorry. No, it's just uh, one of the movies that people were complaining about not being able to see due to surge pricing was Won't You Be My Neighbor? That movie's been out for six weeks. And they surge priced it. They literally surged every fucking, at $8 too. Oh, the, the surcharge is only going to be between 2 to $6. And that's a, bullshit, motherfuckers. That shit was $8. People were literally screen capping this shit and throwing it up. Um, if you go to reddit.com slash r slash moviepassclub, uh, it's just, the shit show is amazing. Uh, it is well worth the price of admission, which at least on Reddit is free. Um, but uh, <laughs> no, no
1: surcharge there. Yeah, See, no. that's what they were doing for "Sorry to Bother You." "Sorry to Bother You" out here has been out for uh, a week and a half now. Came out uh, like a week or two before uh, before you guys got it over in, in Houston. And this entire time, the first weekend, the first week it was out at, at a Cinemark. There was no surge pricing, and I just thought, okay, well, that's good. So whenever, right before we're going to uh, review it, I'll go see it then. Then I go, I decided to go see it yesterday morning, which was a Sunday morning, because the only time available without surge pricing, for an additional five bucks or so, was at eleven o'clock in the morning. But then when I went to the theater at ten thirty to get my ticket movie pass wasn't even working because I guess they ran out of money and they Again. still, you know, they're not going to, you know, refund me any money whatsoever. Yeah. This is after they ran out of movie on, uh, ran out of movie. Well, I guess they technically yeah, they ran, out of they ran out of movies <laughs> <laughs> on, on, on Friday. So yeah, they, it was great. The movie eighth grade, uh, which hopefully if everything works out, we'll re- hopefully be reviewing it next week. Um,
0: because, um, spoiler alert, Christopher Robin will not be available to uh, to Movie Pass people, you know, because any movie, any any movie except that one, except
1: any Disney Marvel, any movie movie that's expected to be big
0: in any way, shape or form, you know.
1: But but yeah, this little movie, Eighth Grade. uh, There's this theater called the Vista Theaters, which is like three or four screens, pretty tiny, but it's over in the Los Feliz area, and I forget which movie critic. But I mean he's a popular movie critic, went there and he has movie pass, and he was looking at the search pricing and he's like, I, I came here for like a ten AM screening or something like that. And for the search pricing, it's an eight dollar charge. If I was just going to buy this ticket, it would have cost me eight dollars. It would have been the same exact price it just it doesn't it's stupid you know like there are algorithms to figuring all this shit out because you know it's not just one person who's assigned to regulating the surge charge bullshit they're using <laughs> there's mathematics no algorithm in-
0: it's literally somebody just hitting a button that says fuck it we- <laughs> nobody can see a movie maybe if we make the surge price more than the cost of the ticket they'll just they'll just give up and and not buy the ticket
1: God, I do hope they have a fuck it button. That'd be hilarious. Uh, yeah. uh, it's Sunday morning. Fuck it button. That's <laughs> yeah, the weekend.
0: Fuck it button. Indeed. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, so uh, you're doing well, I'm doing well, and, um, let's, you know, I guess let's, let's uh, move along to the other side of uh, doing well, because... I, I think I think we we need to check our sack again,
1: dude. Ooh, give that give give the sack a little tap. Cup it, tap it, massage it, open it. S- sounding a little
0: tantric all up in this piece.
1: <laughs> I, <laughs> 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 I'm uh I'm uh uh not it's not sexually aggressive. I'm I, I'm very pent up, shit. Sexually frustrated. There's, yeah. There you go. <laughs> and on that note, check that mail sack, check it good. Check that mail sack like you should.
0: Yes, that's right. We got some more mail. Diana has replied to us. We we have a dialogue. Going on... Uh, well, it's a continuing dialogue, really. Uh, but yes, Diana wrote back to us. The subject line reads, Here for you and proud of Matt. Diana writes, Hi, guys. Yes, I'm still here. You two made me smile the whole way on my long, boring drive home from Albany this morning, so I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Coincidentally, this was sent to us back on the 27th. The platform I listened to you, on, it, you two on... It, let me see if I can read this correctly. The platform I listen to you to on, okay. The platform I listen to you to on is Stitcher. It only shows the news timestamp and the mail sack. I will be checking the website from now on. I probably missed some of your defensive Ant-Man as I listen to your cast as I get ready to drop off to sleep, so I apologize for missing that. I now realize that your critique was due to your love of movies and desire for them to be all they can be as you would for your children. I now see the light! Totally agree with you on Skyscraper, Matt. It's all about The Rock. I doubt I would have enjoyed it without him. However, I was impressed by Nev Campbell's smart woman character who ultimately saves the day. Tim, you're just not as in love with The Rock as me and Matt are. Love you guys and am still here. Cheers, Diana. <laughs> and and, and I—that's right. I'm with I'm with Diana. You just don't you just don't love him the way we love him. Okay.
1: True. I'm not. Uh, there's nothing else to say. But absolutely correct. <laughs>
0: Awesome. Well, Diana, thank you so very much for writing and uh, continuing to listen uh, and letting us know how it's, uh, how everything's showing up on Stitcher, so we'll definitely try and look into that on our end as well. If you would like to write to us, we would love to hear from you as well. Please send us a shout-out, an email, or what have you. We prefer email, but hey, we'll take what we can get. Send an email to the show at slscast.com, and of course you can follow us on Twitter at the SLScast if you would like to do that as well. Don't forget, if you want to support the show, you can check us out over at patreon.com as well. So, without further ado, would uh you like to go ahead and get into the news? Ooh, yes, let's do it. And here we go, folks. It's the news. <laughs> First up from me, a quick little pair of stories here. Uh, from bloodydisgusting.com by way of John Squires. The Suspiria remake gets a final runtime, and it's over two and a half hours long. You heard that right, folks. Mr. Squires writes, almost exactly one year ago, we had heard that an early cut of Lucha Gu- uh, Guadalajara, I'm sorry, Guaraninos, I'll get there eventually. uh, Luca Guadagnino's Suspiria ran two hours, 50 minutes long, which certainly took us by surprise. Naturally, we assumed that the final cut would be significantly shorter, but it's actually not all that much shorter. It's been confirmed that the remake's runtime is 152 minutes. That's two hours, 32 minutes. Suspiria arrives in theaters on November 2nd. Uh, and it's a very brief article that was about half the article, so I definitely recommend you check out the back half of that article, as well as the theater poster, which they have here. It looks pretty badass, and I'm not going to tell you what it looks like, so that you're more likely to go check out bloodydiscussing.com and peruse John Squires' work. The Suspiria remake gets a final runtime, and it's over two and a half hours long. Tim, that's really cool. What do you think there real quick before I jump into my other news piece?
1: That is really cool. I am a fan of his work. Uh, Call Me By Your Name was also a super long movie. Uh, This will actually be longer than Call Me By Your Name, uh, I believe. But we, we, we both liked It, the movie It. And It was about two and a half hours long, if I remember correctly. So I'm really looking, very much looking forward to seeing how he... How he takes his time with sculpting the beautiful piece of art that I'm sure Suspiria will be. So I'm Agreed. I'm excited.
0: Agreed. And and it is nice because you I I think you used the right word there with sculpt because it's everybody kind of well at least I don't know that everybody but a lot of people lament that for a while there movies kept get short kept getting shorter and shorter and shorter runtimes were easily approaching 85 minutes sometimes you know sometimes that was a good run time you know the average run time was getting to be less than an hour and a half and the reason for that is is because it is not easy to hold people's attention spans for two and a half to three hours and these movies have been able to do that so i am definitely looking forward to to seeing this one as well also and movies that are coming out from comicbook.com by way of jk schmidt arnold schwarzenegger now filming new terminator Yes, after bringing Deadpool to the screen, director Tim Miller has turned his focus toward a back-to-basics approach to Terminator, bringing many fan-favorite actors back to the franchise for the new installment. Along Linda Hamilton, who is reprising her role as Sarah Connor, Connor, Arnold Schwarzenegger is coming back to the franchise that helped make him a household name. And now he's on the set filming his scenes as presumably the T-800 model of the cybernetic killing machines. Yeah. So, um... This is pretty interesting news. Now, you'll note that I said director Tim Miller. Um, That is actually just barely the first third of this article here. There's more to read there. But that's all I'm going to give you of this one. Please go to comicbook.com and look up J.K. Schmidt's article. Arnold Schwarzenegger now filming New Terminator. Now, um, are you surprised, Tim, that it is Tim Miller directing Now, I know that Cameron got the rights back and obviously he's, he's like executive producing and all that good stuff. But do you think that that will be enough? Uh, well, or do you think it's going to be Cameron is going to have to like kick Miller out of the way and just come in and finish this thing?
1: Well, Tim Miller is an interesting choice. He did the first Deadpool movie. Um, I'm looking at Josh Friedman, who wrote this screenplay, and he did War of the Worlds, Black Dahlia. He worked on the Terminator, Sarah Connor Chronicles, the TV show. That was out like in 2006, 2007-ish. Um, and it looks like really his only other credits were uh, one, uh, two other TV shows, one of them – Uh, they're working on right now, which is based on Snowpiercer. This one definitely sounds more promising than Terminator Genesis, which the studio took control of and totally fucked over. Um, So, I I, I don't know. Like, I don't... At this point, I really don't care, you know? Uh, We've already... (laughs) We've been already let down by Terminator with the last one. I personally enjoyed Terminator 3 Rise of the Machines for what it is. Um, it could also be because of what we got after it. I know you were a fan of Salvation, so I won't
0: I was. crap I, on I, that I, one I, I, too much. No, look, I, I I get that I'm in the minority on that one, but I was, I, I did enjoy Salvation. I don't, and I don't believe it to be the best in the franchise by any stretch of the imagination, but I I truly believe it was a stronger film than three, and. Um, well, definitely yeah.
1: has more substance than three. Three was just more of a, an all-out action movie. Sure.
0: So, uh, yeah. So, I guess we will we will definitely see what happens here for sure. So, yeah. I'm gonna turn it on over
1: to you, sir. What do you got for us? All right. First up for me from IndieWire.com: Movie Pass on Life Support, major new release. Uh, releases no longer available users complain app is dying Uh, this is an article that was posted today which is monday july 30th 2018 written by zach scharf and that's scharf with a p (laughs) with an f i don't know how to uh read i guess Uh, And it says this, following the news that Mission Impossible Fallout was unavailable to purchase tickets to on MoviePass during its opening weekend, Business Insider reports the uh, the blocking of major premieres could be the new normal for the fledgling company. MoviePass CEO Mitch Lowe reportedly held a meeting on July 30th to inform staff uh, to inform staff that major studio releases such as The Meg and Christopher Robin won't be available on MoviePass when they open in theaters, according to Business Insider, MoviePass not offering tickets to major new releases will continue quote for the un uh, quote for the foreseeable future in quote. low addressed major releases like Mission Impossible Fallout being blocked on MoviePass in a note published. On July 27th which read quote as we continue to evolve the service certain movies may not always be available in every theater on our platform End quote. the latest movie pass change comes days after the service temporarily shut down on the evening of July 26th movie pass went dark because it ran out of money the company had to borrow five million dollars in cash to get the service back online MoviePass was up and running on July 27th, but it was not providing tickets to Mission Impossible Fallout. While MoviePass has yet to public while MoviePass has yet to publicly announce major titles like The Meg and Christopher Robin, wait, yet to Man, this is this article is worded horribly. While MoviePass has yet to publicly announce major titles like The Meg and Christopher Robin won't be available, the company continues to face numerous complaints from users on social media. Just this afternoon, MoviePass subscribers began posting the app was dying and not offering any movies at locations where the service was previously provided. Some users trying to access MoviePass were met with a notification that read, quote, there are no more screenings at this theater today, end quote. In New York City, it was reported that the Sinopolis Chelsea was one of the only theaters still offering showtimes on MoviePass. According to Deadline, the app is dead at most major theaters except for landmark theaters. IndieWire has reached out to MoviePass for comment uh, and I guess they haven't heard back yet and that was pretty much that whole article they do have snippets from uh from twitter comments they do have twitter they do have uh, a few twitter posts here of people complaining about movie pass and um uh, they're not being a lot of availability for newer flicks matthew i know you don't i i know you feel rather strongly about this oh yeah
0: yeah and just kind of a uh Um, tandem article here, uh, from techcrunch.com by way of Brian heater, very, very short here. And we'll probably have, uh, some similar crossover information. So, um, we're, we're just cramming it down your throats at this point. <laughs> During an all-hands meeting earlier today, MoviePass CEO Mitch uh, Lowe reportedly informed the staff that Service will bar additional big titles from its subscription service. Uh, according to a report from Business Insider, upcoming titles Christopher Robin and The Meg will be getting similar treatment as Mission Impossible Fallout. The service caused an uproar among users when it barred users from seeing the latest Tom Cruise blockbuster using its app. It's another in a string of unfortunate event incidents for the service, which has fallen on rough financial times of late. Uh, earlier today, and this article is from five hours ago, we are recording on the 30th of July as this goes. Uh, users were met with a blank screen when attempting to view screenings on the app, and just a few days ago the startup borrowed five million to end another service outage. Tying into that five million, uh, I have read all the articles on that, and they had to pay 6.2 million back, and they had to do it by today. So, I have no idea where they came up with that money. Um, so let's see here. So on today's call, Lowe apparently suggested that these blocks wouldn't be the last for the company, quote, implying the practice of not offering tickets to major movies would continue for the, sea- for the foreseeable future, end quote, according to the report. While the service would admittedly still be a bargain at $10 a month, MoviePass would use- lose a lot of luster if users were no longer able to see the latest films. That would join a number of new fine print asterisks for the service, Uh, for the service, including the addition of surge pricing and other changes to the pricing structure. We've reached out to MoviePass to clarify the report. Whatever the case, it's starting to look like the service that was once considered too good to be true is precisely that. End of article. Again, if you'd like to read that for yourself, TechCrunch.com by way of Brian Heater, MoviePass could block more big movies from a subscription service. And... Uh, yeah, I am just so completely livid at this point. Um, the movies were literally just blank screen. I got that this weekend. I got, like, just you go into the app and there's literally nothing in there. And you're, you're like, what the fuck? You go to your theater and nothing is there. Uh, the, there's, the screenings are gone. It's like you, there were no movies. Except for Mission Impossible, which was grayed out, saying you can't see this movie. They um the the, uh, the surge pricing is all over the place it's literally eight dollars now they said it would be between two and six they said they were going to block they said that surge pricing would most likely affect uh, you know big movies over opening weekend well fine but you're surging everything even movies that have been out for upwards of six weeks six fucking weeks and it's ridiculous. I mean, I again, we referred to the Reddit thing. People were pissed off because they couldn't see um, Won't You Be My Neighbor. There are people who are paying these surcharges, and then they walk in the door, and there's three fucking people in the screening. And it's like it doesn't matter that maybe somewhere in America one theater is sold out. You're fucking over everyone who's been giving you money all this time, and don't and and don't feed me this whole, you know. Whoa, you're getting such a great deal. I don't care. That's what we signed up for. That's what we paid for. You get all of our data. You get all of uh, the the movie usage information. You're constantly on our phones all the time. And you get location, uh, pushes and all that kind of crap. You get to push all your stupid fucking shitty ass movies on us, including blind spotting, which you're like, come see blind spotting, and then you fucking, fucking put a service charge on that. So it's like, even the movies that you're supposed to be partnering with people with, you're fucking your user base over on. So why would anybody want to use your service anymore? I don't know. I don't know. I, at this point, I don't even know if the service is gonna be here on the 17th. Uh, of august that's when my turnaround kicks up um it just the the problem isn't that they need to that the business model wasn't unsustainable they were never going to make money on the subscription that was never the plan and i understand that that was never the plan because their plan was to try and partner with the theaters try and get the Uh, Try and get concession deals or partner with the studios themselves so that they could, uh, you know, direct traffic and things of that nature. All those kinds of things. Or take the user data and the location data and like, oh, you're, you're at, we see you're at this particular Cinemark. Oh, look, well, there's an Applebee's nearby and you should go to Applebee's, even though Applebee's sucks. Applebee's is like the movie pass of restaurants, but whatever. So... You can, and so these were the ways that they were trying to make money. Okay, you know what? That's fine. I can ignore a push notification. I can deal with whatever I need to deal with because the service is worth it for me at 10 bucks a month. Granted, even if you only see two movies a month, even if you only see two movies on $5 Tuesdays at the center mark a month, you've made your money back. Right? You've broken even and the service is working for you. They're not even willing to do that anymore. It's just completely turned into a shit show. And I don't know... I mean, it's literally just fun watching this dumpster fire happen at this point. I'm about ready to bring some marshmallows. So... Sorry. Sorry. Um, I think I may have gone off the deep end there, Tim. Did I answer your
1: question? (laughs) Um... Yeah, in a, in a few <laughs> different ways. You, you gave me options. <laughs> oh
0: God. Um. Okay. Well, did you have any other news that you wanted to talk about, sir? I'm sure you did. Yeah,
1: totally. Um, do you have more news
0: or? The only other thing that I had, and, uh, you know, at this point, I'll just make it as a general announcement. Uh, I was going to read it to you, but we're, we're, I don't want to, I don't want to run too far over on news. And I know you actually have new, more news pieces to talk about. So, um, guys, be sure to just, uh, do a quick Google search of open letter, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy cast or Guardians of the Galaxy cast open letter. They have put that up. It's up on Twitter and Instagram, and it is uh, a wonderfully written letter, the fully supporting James Gunn, while coincidentally not quite directly asking for Disney to uh, relent in their firing of James Gunn, but still very supportive of James Gunn. Uh, Signed by Chris Pratt, Zoe Saldana, Dave Bautista, Karen Gillian, uh, or Gillian, Michael Rooker, pom clementiev sean gunn vin diesel and bradley cooper so check that out it's really cool very well written and uh worth a look so that is my news tim bring us home sir question though about that do you think disney will bring james gunn back i'm thinking it's i'm thinking it is ever increasingly more likely um You know, when that petition last week, like we were talking about, was already nearing 300,000, I'm sure it's probably pushing close to 500,000 now. I haven't gone back and checked, but it's pretty damn clear that there are a lot more people than were initially believed to exist that support the fact that, you know, it's not about what he said, it's about what he's done, you know, and... I think that's where people are at. I think people have started to realize that the pendulum has just swung too far one way and it's time for a correction. Mm-hmm. And uh I anticipate my my anticipate uh, or bleh, my anticipate. I anticipate that uh, there will probably be some investigation forthcoming uh that will look into all the accusations and blah 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 and then very quietly just reinstate gun. I would imagine. Uh, and they may even keep him as like an air quotes over here. Uh, kind of like what we were talking about with, um, Oh, Lassiter, Yeah. With Lasseter, you know, yeah, the air quotes consulting kind of a thing just to slip him back in and let him just kind of do whatever he's going to do. So whatever.
1: Yeah. I actually feel pretty bad for, in, in a way feel pretty bad for the guy because yeah, Uh um, You'll understand why if you go back and listen to next week's show, or next week's last week's show. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Listen to the last week's show, but uh, recap is, basically, we agree that they were in poor taste and terrible jokes that were just stupid shock value things. But it's very clear that the guy has moved on from that. Also, he had already apologized for that, like, four or five years ago, and, you know, now now it's somehow a problem, which is kind of stupid. Yeah. <clears throat> so... Anyway, what's the rest
1: of your news, sir? Alrighty, so another piece here from IndieWire.com, also written by Zach Scharf with an F, Uh, and this was published on July 30th of this year. Italian theater owners speak out against streaming in wake of Netflix dominating Venice Film Festival lineup, and it says this, Netflix's involvement in an Netflix's involvement in an international film festival is once again courting controversy. The streaming giant is premiering six movies at the 2018 Venice Film Festival, which has prompted a contested response from Italian movie theater owners. Two of Italy's cinema exhibitors, uh, of Italy's cinema exhibitor organizations, the ANEC National Association of Cinema Exhibitors, and A-N-E-M, National Association of Multiplex Exhibitors, have issued a joint statement speaking out against day and date releases, which is how Netflix rolls out its films. The... The ANECANEM statement does not call out Netflix by name, but it does condemn day and date distribution where films open in theaters and become available on streaming platforms like Netflix on the same day. The statement says this kind of release benefits, quote, exclusively the short-term interests of only one party to the detriment of other actors, end quote. Also, quote, this is a very sensitive issue that should be dealt with in agreement with all the operators of the film supply chain, especially in a period of serious crisis for exhibition due to structural problems of the market, in quote. The statement continues, referencing Italy's widespread piracy issue as another problem hurting film exhibition. The six films Netflix is bringing to Cannes this year include Paul Greengrass's July 22nd, or I guess it's 22nd July, 22 July, Alfonso Cuaron's Roma and the Coen Brothers' The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, which are all in competition, plus On My Skin, The Other Side of the Wind, which is out of competition, and They'll Love Me When I'm Dead, which is also playing out of competition. Italian drama On My Skin is set to open in Italian theaters on, July, uh, excuse me, on September 12th, the same day it becomes available to stream globally on Netflix. The ANEC and ANEM statement said it, quote, contests the initiatives that allow the simultaneous release of some films and cinemas and on other media, end quote, which is a direct shot at Netflix in its plan for On My Skin. The statement concluded that the organizations will, quote, oppose this proposal day and date releasing of big movies by any means necessary if the issue of shortening the window is disregarded without the approval of Italian cinema. End quote. The Cannes Film Festival banned Netflix movies from competing for the uh, movies from competing for the Palme d'Or earlier this year after after it reinstated a rule saying all competition entries must be released in French theaters, French law declares there must be a three-year period between films opening in theaters and becoming available to stream online, which goes against uh, which goes against Netflix's business model. The streaming giant decided to pull all, all of its the streaming uh, the streaming giant decided to pull all of its films. In protest of the decision uh, end all quotes there the article does go on for a uh, handful more uh, for another the article does go on for a few more paragraphs again that was brought to us by indiewire.com Italian theater owners speak out against streaming in wake of Netflix's dominating in blah, streaming in wake of Netflix dominating Venice film Festival lineup. Matt, what do you think about
0: this? Same thing, I think every time, Pinky. Um, I, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just don't care. Look, I, I, I just—if you want to go the traditional movie route, if you want to go and see things in the cinema, fine, do that. Have that experience. Live your life, and and God and God bless you for it. Um, if, if, like the vast majority of people, you have neither the time, inclination, nor wherewithal to go to the theater to watch something, and you're just gonna wait till it comes out on Netflix anyway, then who cares if you're just gonna go watch it on Netflix anyway? I get that sometimes things should be experienced on the big screen, and I get that maybe, possibly, maybe possibly, that someone who might have otherwise would have gone to the theater we'll just instead see it on Netflix. But I but I believe that number to be far, far smaller than what everyone is worried about it being. I think that the fact that Netflix wants to put certain movies out there for prestige value only, uh, which is why they put certain movies out for cans but then end up just releasing them day and date uh, in the streaming service and stuff like that, is precisely for the same reason that anybody makes a prestige film. It's to bring prestige. It's not about the money. This is why films like, uh, you know, Shape of Water generally don't make money until after the Oscars, because that's when they've gotten all the press. That's when they got all the awards. And that's when people want to go see them. And even then they still don't generally bring their budgets back. Um, So, Netflix doesn't have to worry about that end of it from the user side because there's a subscription based and I just don't think people want to want to understand that. Um if you want smaller films and prestige films to be the norm in regular theater-going life, then you need to see them regardless of whether or not Netflix puts them out because the more movies of that type people see, the more movies of that type they get made. And I think that the people in in Cannes, France, just simply don't understand that. And I don't think they want to understand that because they're too busy being uppity about it. And you know what? That's okay too, because that's how they want to run their thing, and it's their festival, and they can do whatever the fuck they want.
1: Um, So I'm still on their side, because once, because the whole what's so threatening about Netflix is that they're they're setting out to change the whole outlook of, of of movie viewing. They're a business. Mm-hmm. you know they're not in it for the consumer they're not in it for the movie uh for for the quality of viewing films uh and knowing that and knowing how this really does definitely affect movie theaters uh one good thing about movie pass other than how convenient it is is that a lot of people with movie pass have been using movie pass to actually go see some of these smaller art house movies at the theater. Sure. Especially documentaries. Absolutely. I'm sure more people went to go see Won't You Be My Neighbor and like Three Identical Strangers, which got a semi-okay uh, you know, a release, I guess.
0: Right. No. So, I, I mean... It, but the mm-hmm. thing is, though, is that you're... you're I, 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 I... It seems to me that from your position you are ignoring the, the uncomfortable yet inevitable truth that everybody's trying to do this to make money.
1: Well, and I mean no. at the end
0: of the day, it it you're trying to use your art to make money. I mean you gotta live. Everybody and, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing inherently wrong with that. It's but just it's
1: different because say when so uh say like my studio sony makes a movie it's mm-hmm. their movie true sure. sony makes movies for uh or and of course sony is columbia tristar um uh, They still want to make movies you go and see at the movie theater. That's right. And so,
0: all all Sony has to do, Sony Sony Pictures, all they have to do is do exactly what they're doing in the video game side. Which is, when everybody asks them if they want to play, they say no. Okay? Everybody's kind of pissed off in the PS4, in the video game world, because Fortnite got cross-platform between PC, Xbox, and Nintendo. You can oh and mobile, so you can be on the mobile, you can be on your switch, you can be on your Xbox One, and you can be on your PC, and y'all all can play together. And they got and all the licensing people got together, and they said, hey, we're all in. Sony, would you like to would you like to join us? And Sony said, fuck you, get away from me. And they said, "Well, okay."
1: And All right. You know well, that, that's PlayStation. That on, is separate from it, the studio.
0: It, I, I get that. I get. That's why I'm and saying you, you the division. The choice, right? Okay. That's why. I'm, that's why I'm trying to say. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm, I'm getting back. I'm coming back to it. Don't worry. So the the Sony Gaming division, right? Your PlayStation division. That's what they said. They said, "No, our shit's exclusive. We want people to be with our brand and our brand only. You don't have to like it. You don't have to agree with it. But this is what we want to do. Okay." Sony Pictures and all of the other corporations under that umbrella can do the exact same thing. They can say, we're going to make our movies. And motherfuckers, we're going to make our movies. And we're going to make them for the theaters only and for home media consumption only. They won't go to Netflix. Our movies will never go to Netflix. So you will have to go to the movie theater to go see it. And if you don't, then you can buy it on Blu-ray or whatever digital media that we're going to let you download from. But you're not going to get to see it on Netflix. You're not going to get to see it on Amazon. You're not going to get to see it on Hulu. Because we don't support those streaming models. We don't like them. We think they're bad for theaters. And that's what we're going to do. So Sony can do that. And then
1: you, you drive people to theaters instead. Okay. This was kind of going off on a tangent on something that I don't believe is a big issue on my end. But for me... I side with the theater owners and purists, I guess, movie theater purists, uh, which is kind of a douchey term for that, I guess. Timothy
0: Nolan now. Is that, is that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But it's like, it's like, I, I, I get it. Um, granted, Netflix distributes movies. They acquire the films. For instance, I'm not going to be able to get to it, but there is a uh, film school rejects article uh, about uh, called uh, a Mowgli and the ongoing tradition of studios selling movies to Netflix where mm-hmm. any circus big Warner Brothers CGI telling of 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 Mowgli in The Jungle Book is is going to Netflix because For some reason, Warner Brothers doesn't feel like they're going to be able to distribute it to the theaters and make money from it. And what Netflix is going to do is they're going to release it on Netflix then release it at the theater. Whereas, if you're a theater owner, you're kind of looking at this and going, what's the point? You're already going to be... This is already going to be distributed by Netflix. Why even try to... Do a theatrical, uh, you know, take up our screens to try to show this movie theatrically. Granted, it's not going to take up every single screen, maybe one. But more importantly, though, I just wanted to mention that article. Uh, again, if you want to do check that out, that is Mowgli and the ongoing tradition of studio selling movies to Netflix. Filmschoolrejects.com. But um, you have a big juggernaut when it comes to entertainment in media. Consumer entertainment and consumer media, which is Netflix. And they are a threat because they are going to be able to afford a lot of these movies to distribute. And once they start buying up like some of these big movies that people will want to go see, you know, it could be around Oscar season. It could be summer blockbusters, even Mm -hmm. movies that people will want to see well, if they put them in the theaters, even not only is it if it, it can be simultaneously being shown at home on Netflix, but it's also going to be taking up theater space and possibly even hurting the theater in that way. So, if Netflix comes out with uh, again a, a slight exaggeration, I mean, I don't know if this will ever happen or not, but say Netflix decides to release three big movies back-to-back, back. you know, like one week, this one big movie comes out, second week, the this, si- this other big movie comes out, third week, you know, it even could be over the course of a month or two, you know, even. Well, that's going to take up some screens. Okay. And you, possibly... you, seem to, you seem to be
0: under the impression of two things. Of, of, uh, I don't yeah. know. It seems to me, and please uh, help me understand, because I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm losing where you're coming from. You're you're telling me that theater owners and operators can't say no to Netflix? Like they they just absolutely have to take this movie?
1: No, I'm not saying that they absolutely had to. I'm just saying so if there's
0: other movies that are coming out that they think are better for their business model, then wouldn't they just show those movies instead and say no, Netflix, we don't need you here? Um, giving us only at best half full auditoriums because ninety percent of the people who would come and see this movie already have your service. So the only people who are going to come and see this movie are people who probably don't have your service, which then shows
1: them why they should have your service, and then they won't come back. Well, if it's say if it's an, it's an art house movie, because more than likely Netflix, other than Mowgli, which I don't know what that budget was, but it looks rather expensive based yeah, on the trailer. I'm pretty
0: sure that they but spent 150 million on it. So sure. Anyways,
1: so take art house movies, Oscar contender bullshit. Okay. If Netflix distri- that that's what I'm talking about. Some of the movies that the, if if people these smaller movies, you have, uh, say if Shape of Water was a Netflix movie, okay, released simultaneously, a lot of people went to go see Shape of Water at the theater, and
0: it made after quite the, a, it made but it a after fun. the Oscars, not before.
1: Well. well Uh, no, I mean, during the nominations, yeah, people went to go see it totally during the I mean, around in January, I think around Christmas time, it got a wide release around Christmas time. So people did go see it around that time. And I'm sure it did even better on on a DVD or Blu-ray or digital, you know, VOD or whatever. Well, people actually were interested in going seeing it when they first heard about it. Whereas, of course, those of you who weren't really sold on the whole fish-loving story would probably just stay home and watch it. And, you know, because you just had that opportunity. So, what I'm, I mean, just feels like I'm going around circles now. But just what I, all, how I feel is that I definitely can see where the theater owners are, are, what they're talking about. Because it does affect theaters if, There is competition with, if there is indeed competition with that same film being shown on, uh, on, uh, um, uh, you know, on, at home on Netflix streaming, I guess. Now, what would be interesting though, if this could happen, but people often ask, like, well, why do people go and see Fathom Events movies that are re released? Well, because. You know, those are also re-released movies that look better and more likely they're they're classics even. So I just I don't I'm, know. Maybe, maybe they can start doing fancy one night, you know, one week. Like come and see this movie, and you get to see a cool Q and A shot live or shot specifically for this screening of this movie or whatever. Right, and, but and, and it's, it's interesting.
0: No, I, I and, and look, I'm not trying to say that um, theater owners shouldn't look out for their best interests. And, I, and, and I'm but I don't think the problem is I, I just don't agree that the problem is what you think the problem is. The problem isn't the the problem isn't Netflix. You see, the the problem has never been Netflix. The problem has been people don't want to go to the movie theater that that has been the problem. And well, you ask and then so you have to ask yourself why are people not wanting to go to the movie theater? And the vast majority of it has been at in the last ten years that outside of these, you know, major studio blockbusters people it's just not worth the time the money or the effort especially when there are so many rude theater goers people who look at their phones people who make noise people who talk people who get up and come on people who bring kids uh that aren't that that don't behave or it's not appropriate for kids to be in this particular film and you're asking people generally to lay out Uh, because not as many people go to theaters by themselves, so you're asking people to lay out generally 50 bucks between two tickets and some popcorn and a drink for two hours of their life that they're not gonna, that they're not gonna be able to get back.
1: And I just don't get the fucking popcorn and a drink. Well, but that's just it, though. You're, um, but... But anyways, but, like... Like, I only brought up Netflix because that's what the article was talking sure, about. Sure, but a lot yeah. of people talk about Netflix and single them out specifically is because Netflix doesn't give a shit about theaters. And they've made that they I mean they've come out and said that they've been coming out and saying that for the past two years, two and a half years or so. They don't care. They're in this to change. They they're setting out to change everything when it comes to viewing movies. Okay. And it's I mean when you're when you're a theater owner that's you don't want to hear that because I understand that. But, but Tim, you're you're missing the point. Netflix
0: wants to change the way people see movies because they see that the way people see movies they don't like the way they see movies.
1: All right, we got to we need to move on. We're we yeah, we just need to move on from this. We're not going to get anywhere i don't want to get too what, riled up over this
0: well all right well then let's get riled up over what we want to talk about for next week for our bonus segment. i had a really good idea for a three squared sure our favorite 90s action movies what do you think
1: yeah no, that sounds good i'm just writing that down so i don't forget
0: yeah. See, because I was thinking about this on the way home from work today. I was sitting there, I'm coming home, and I'm like, oh man, we don't have a bonus segment for next week. And I was like, you know, I want to watch True Lies again. I haven't seen True Lies in like two or three years, and I want to see some True Lies. And um, and and I'm like, Whoa. then I was like, man, that was such a good, that was such a great action movie from the '90s. And then it just got me thinking about was the '90s like the best decade? for action movies, I don't know. So, I'm glad that uh, you know, you want to that you want to do that. So next week, folks, next week, 90s action flicks for 3 squared. That's what we're going to be doing. Our favorite 90s action flicks. And so without further ado, I say we get down to the movies. What do you say, sir?
1: Oh, please. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Here we go, folks. It's the We uh, mission impossible fallout this week sorry to bother you and leave no trace so tim where would you like to start sir
1: i'm gonna say the least favorite would will be sorry to bother you
0: yes you are we are in agreement look we agree again yay (laughs) (laughs) we brought it back yay (laughs) Uh, all right folks sorry to bother you i'm just out here surviving and what I'm doing right now won't even matter. Oh, baby, baby, it will always matter. Oh. I thought you said you fixed that. Get a room! I got a room, mother. Hey, Cash, how much longer I gotta wait for my money? God made this land for all of us. Greedy people like you wanna hog it to yourself and your family and me and my family. Yeah. Cash is I'm your fing uncle. I just really need a job. This is tough stick to the script. Hey hello. Um uh, Mr. Davison, is Green here. Sorry to bother. Let me give you a tip. You want to make some money here? Use your white voice. My white voice. I'm, I'm not talking about Will Smith's wife, like this young blood. Hey Mr. Kramer, this is Langston
1: from Regal View. As always, we'll be getting that out to you right away. You are doing so good with the voice thing. Hala 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 hala. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. You're going upstairs, Power Caller. They even have their own elevator.
0: Welcome, Power Caller. I hope you did not masturbate today. We need you
1: sharp and ready to go.
0: I got promoted. I'm a Power Caller.
1: What do they sell?
0: They're not selling, yeah. the we sell No, there's no amount of money that make me do that. <laughs>
1: Here's the starting salary. Well, man, I'm gonna have to get me some new suits. Whatever I wear, know I'm here to be
0: clean. It is morally emaciated. I can't ride with you. I'm doing something I'm really good at.
1: Cash. I'm gonna make you a proposal. I can see that you wanna say no, but I wouldn't do that before you see what I'm offering. Cash. You are
0: awesome. Alright, it is a 2018 American science fiction comedy film written and directed by Boots Riley. In his directorial debut, uh, it stars Lakeith Stanfield, Tessa Thompson, Jermaine Fowler, Omari Hardwick, Terry Crews, Patton Oswalt, David Cross, Danny Glover, Stephen Yuen, and Armie Hammer. This film is actually uh, uh, set in an alternate present-day version of Oakland. And it follows a, a telemarketer who uh, it's important that we know that he is a black telemarketer because race plays heavily into the paradigm that he shifts as a telemarketer that moves up in this corporation. He adopts a white accent over the phone uh, and the doors begin to open for him. And then, of course, he is looking at a promotion while at the same time, watching all of his friends suffer at the current rate that they are existing at. Uh, shenanigans ensue and what becomes of Cash? Cassius, Cassius Cash Green is his name and, uh, played again by Lakeith Stanfield. Uh, funnily enough, David Cross is the white voice for Cash. Now, Here's the thing about this movie. This, Boots Riley is a well-known communist activist. Now, this is not the 50s, okay, so there's no attack on communism here or anything. But I think what the movie fails to realize, because there is, it's not even subtle, y'all. This is a complete communist allegory. All right and it takes racial paradigms it takes class paradigms overall that don't even that don't necessarily have to do with race um and it shows just exactly how and why corporations will always and forever be an evil that needs to be overcome by the people this is this is um I don't want to say it's purely propaganda for propaganda's sake, but it is a communist allegory and I don't think that you should uh dismiss that. I think that's part of the part of the um message of the film and I think that's what allows the film to get away with a lot of the stuff that it does. Now, it does it in a wonderful fanciful farcical way and it's um, outlandish in some parts, humorous in others, and overall well acted and well written and well directed My problem is is that i simply do not ever see what the aftermath of the revolution is supposed to be like, because all of the because any film uh, that is putting the allegory in a positive light. Never takes into, never takes human nature into account. It utilizes human nature to personify the evil that is the corporation, uh, and especially as characterized by Steve Lift, played, uh, in a, I don't know, I thought Army Hammer did a great job here as Steve Lift, who's the CEO of, uh, Worry Free. But they don't, but they neglect to shift human nature back to the people, especially once they've achieved their goal. And that, for me, just as a student of history and as a student, uh, a limited student of politics and world polity in general, that's something to me that is usually the breaking point of communism, That is why in the vast majority of cases, communism has not worked and usually turns into a despotic situation that causes the government to literally starve and or kill millions of their own people. And so the film strikes me as disingenuous. And the fact that it's kind of beating you over the head with it the whole time, um, makes it a little bit less enjoyable at the end of the day i definitely am giving this a three and a half out of five i like the movie i like the acting i like the direction i mean all of the all of the pieces fit i'm just not buying into the painting or or the you know the completed puzzle that i am being presented with so three and a half out of five tim what do you got
1: sir So I actually liked this one a little less than you, Matthew. I thought it was a really, really... uh, I I thought it was a very clever movie, and I I really liked the ideas and the direction that this movie goes towards. And I'm a big fan of movies when you go into it. You know it's going to be wacky, zany, a little bit all over the place. Uh, but it's also, but there's also something great about seeing a movie like that. And there's still, there's still a little ingredient there in the last act that just totally catches you off guard. Still, uh, this, this movie does that. Like there's a lot of energy that I enjoyed and that last act. (laughs) Just really kind of caught me off guard. Um, and the movie is very sporadic and all over the place, and, all, and, 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 and it's that and it's that sporadicness that really brought the movie down, in my opinion, because my attention was just constantly broken because all of that, all of these like sporadic episodes aren't really connected with, I think, strong enough uh, writing. Or maybe I should say supported by strong enough writing, especially dialogue writing. The performances are great. Um, I, they happen to cast really good actors that I think elevates this script and probably even makes it look a lot better than, 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 than what it actually is. But, be, but all the sporadicness and, all the different avenues and directions that this movie goes into with its comedy, with its satire, uh, it, like it's just not supported with strong material. I, I, I felt myself when uh, I, I felt myself feeling uncomfortable, like physically uncomfortable while, while watching this film, there was not a lot of people in the theater. I was sitting in comfy. I was sitting in a comfy seat I I was in the middle like I was not sitting in the front row or anything, but I was just constantly aware that my back kind of hurt and my back didn't hurt at any other time throughout the movie, you know, uh, throughout the day until I was watching this movie. So I think I checked my watch like five or six times trying to figure out when this movie was going to be over because I, I was just kind of through with it. You know, by halfway through, by by the halfway mark, uh, which I know sounds awful, but I, I i don't want I don't want it to come across as if I absolutely hated this movie because I didn't. It's well thought-out piece that just a needed a better, uh, maybe maybe a better storyteller, even a, a, a stronger storyteller. Three fingers um, pinch the bigger end because it's really difficult and your to your not. And then you just kind of loosely wrap the cable spoiled around the film, fingers. Especially for way, those who, stop, who haven't seen it yet. Because the whole point of seeing this movie is not to have anything spoiled. And out, the trailer actually does a pretty good there, job so to you give you, giving you a like taste of what this film and is then like then without going too much uh, into to its surprises. So, Matthew, you give this one a 3.5 out of 5. I'm giving this one a 2.5 out of 5. I'm very... I I might actually try to check this one out uh, when it it is available on VOD uh, because I think it's well worth a second viewing. So check it out. Let us know what you think because I'm uh, definitely interested in hearing what you all think of this, in my mind, sporadic mess of a good flick.
0: Awesome. All right, man, where do you want to turn? Leave No Trace or Mission Impossible
1: Fallout? So... Okay, here I am. Uh, So I I don't know which one is technically the better film. There is one that I thought was a better made movie and the other one I thought was a very entertaining movie. Uh, For me, Leave No Trace was the better made film. Mission Impossible was the more entertaining film. So
0: so and, and, and I agree with you. And it is for that reason that both of them have the same score. So, you can't go wrong. Pick which one.
1: <laughs> Pick which one right, you want to How
0: about Mission Impossible? All right. Mission Impossible Fallout. There cannot be peace without first a great suffering. The greater the suffering, the greater the peace. The end you've always feared is coming. It's coming. And the blood will be on your hands.
1: I prayed to God that it wasn't true. Solomon Lane escaped in Paris. Now the world is at risk. This is the CIA's mission. You use a scalpel. I prefer a hammer.
0: This is a bad idea. Is it ever a good one? Honestly. He's not just some observer. He's an assassin. I don't trust anybody outside of this room go rogue he's been authorized to hunt you down and kill you that's the job
1: no hard feelings which way betty turn left go 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 what are you waiting for i'm jumping out a window oh sorry good luck when the clock stops ethan hunt will lose everyone he ever cared about
0: you don't understand what you're involved
1: in you need to walk away
0: please don't make me go through you Ethan, that's not who we are Maybe we need to reconsider really that. Accept that, Ethan, you've lost this one what's done is done. What's done is done
1: when we say it's done. Showtime.
0: Oh, my God. All right, 2018 American spy action spy film written, produced and directed by Christopher McQuarrie. Of course, sixth installment in the Mission Impossible film series and is actually the second film to be directed by McQuarrie after Rogue Nation. So, uh it still stars Tom Cruise, Henry Cavill, Ving Rhames, Simon Pegg, Rebecca Ferguson, Sean Harris, Angela Bassett this time, Michelle Monaghan and of course Alec Baldwin. Um, so look, it's yet another convoluted save the world plot. Uh, will Tom Cruise's character of Ethan Hunt be outwitted by the bad guys or the supposed good guys who seem to always think the worst of him and try and turn on him every other movie? Who knows? Shenanigans ensue. Spoiler alert, there's probably a seventh movie. Anyway, look, um, at this point, it's formulaic. But the formula is complex enough that it's still very entertaining. And you know that with Tom Cruise anywhere close to behind the helm, he was a producer of this film, uh, you know that the stunts and the uh, visual effects going behind those stunts uh, are going to be absolute A1 class and will be practical wherever possible. So it's an entertaining ride, but it is the same ride. And because it's still entertaining enough, I give it four stars. And that's all I have to say about that there, Tim. Go ahead. What do you got, sir?
1: I, too, give this movie four stars, four out of five. I had a hard time making the decision whether or not I was watching a movie that was just straight, that was just, that was just entertaining, or if some of the performances and dialogue was, was cheesy. <laughs> like I was trying to figure out if it was good or if it was just not the greatest dialogue. And uh, yeah, But it's entertaining, it's good. It left me wanting more Ethan Hunt and crew. Um, and personally, I think Mission Impossible has proven itself to be the best action franchise out there. Uh, I I, I thoroughly enjoyed all of them. Um, Only one of them I hated, which is actually not necessarily hated, but I really don't like Mission Impossible 3. uh, Only because I've only seen Mission Impossible 2 twice and it was back when it first came out. And I guess you can call me young and stupid, but I enjoyed the look and the over-stylization of John Woo. So I've been meaning to go back and and rewatch that one, but Fallout is a good flick. The action is great. Uh, the storytelling is what you would expect. Uh, I I mean, I felt my heart pounding a handful of times because the action in this film is top-notch. It's not completely over-the-top. It's well-structured and well-paced. No action scene feels too short, and no action wears out. No action scene we- uh, feels like it's wearing out its welcome. So... I think it's just stellar. I'm going to go see this one again for sure. Um, because with movies like this, I'm always curious to know if I pick up on things that maybe I didn't, uh, that I didn't see beforehand. Uh, because with Mission Possible 5, Rogue Nation, I thoroughly enjoyed the movie the first time I saw it. I gave it a great score. I can't remember what I gave it, but I'm sure it was pretty high. I saw it a second time and, you know, I noticed a couple things that were bought. Bother- it's like every single Mission Impossible movie, there's one aspect that bugs me. Um with the last Mission Impossible with the last Mission Impossible movie, it seems like everywhere they turn up, they're they have access to like fancy cars and, and nice clothing. But it's like you're you're a rogue, you know, it's rogue nation, you know, you're a rogue. You're you're kind of working underneath under the radar. Where can you get this really nice, expensive car and all that stuff? Um, And with this movie, going back to the dialogue, I just can't tell if it was just entertaining, if it was good, if it was just corny in a fun way, uh, if it was corny, entertaining way, or if it was just bad. Uh, So I'm just going to land on four out of five as well.
0: Right on, right on. Okay, well, that is going to leave us with Leave No Trace.
1: It's not a drum. Yeah, right <laughs> He's got him. Stand up. You alone out here? My daughter's with me. Dad? Let's go. Can you tell me where you live? In the park? There's 435 questions. Respond true or false to each question. Who taught you how to read? My dad teaches me. You're actually quite a bit ahead of where you need to be.
0: I wake up rested and peaceful most mornings. True. My day-to-day life is full of things that keep me interested. True. I have nightmares or troubling dreams. Was your dad in the service? He was. Do you feel safe living
1: with your dad? We didn't need to be rescued.
0: Your dad needs to provide you shelter
1: and a place to live. He did not a crime to be unhoused, but it's illegal to live on public land.
0: We have found an
1: option. Are we gonna be okay here? We still think our own thoughts. Keep pedaling. Look where you wanna go. School is about social skills, not just intellectual ones. I think it might be easier on us if we try to adapt. Wearing their clothes, we're in their house, we're eating their food, we're doing their work. We have adapted. First of- Same thing that's wrong with you isn't wrong with me. Well, you guys have it. I don't think
0: we knew where we were going. All right, 2018 American drama film directed by Deborah, uh, Deborah Granick and written by Granick and, and Rosalini, based on the book My Abandonment by Peter Rock. Uh, basically, movie follows a dad who's got PTSD and has kind of escaped into the into the wilderness uh, with his daughter who he's been raising. She's 13 at the time of the movie um basically uh sh- shit goes down and they do ultimately get caught by the police and everything uh once everything gets figured out they get placed in a home and they try to live life normally again after having lived differently for so long shenanigans ensue and the movie plays out so here's the thing with this movie uh, i i agree with uh tim in that this movie in and of itself is better made um there's a lot of love that goes into this film and it's not that the movie is boring Uh, we, we say that rogue nation is more entertaining because there's a lot more going on with it and it's easier for it to be entertaining in that regard it's a different style of movie clearly we're dealing with a drama versus a spy action thriller but um, you can still have an entertaining and gripping drama that can carry the length of the film, and the movie isn't even—it's really just an hour and a half. If you you know taking credits out, it's basically an hour and a half. So it's not even that long of a movie. The problem is, is that the characters, despite being really, really well done—or I'm sorry, well performed, well acted—they're um, They're three-dimensional, but they're shallow. And there's only so much you can do with these characters before something's got to give. And the movie does a good job at the end of the day of telling the story of these two people who have to live their lives together or apart, but they still have to live them. It's just that you you struggle with Caring for the characters as much as you could, um, by the end of the film. It's, it's not a bad film by any stretch of imagination, but the characters just aren't deep enough to make the story as impactful as it could have been. It's still very well acted, and I think the cinematography is very well done, especially as, early, especially earlier on in the film, because it really does help to underscore what these characters are doing and where they're at in their lives within the story that the film is telling. So it's very well crafted. I just think that, I mean, despite it's already pretty short length, I think this one actually could have been shorter. Um, so I give this a little four out of five. It's really good. I think it just kind of needed just a little bit more to get there. Bring us home there, Tim.
1: I too give this one a four out of five. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, it. It's a it's a good drama. It's a simple, small movie, but it has a lot of soul. And it, I, I I don't really buy the movie a hundred percent. Like. Watching these characters, I don't really buy this situation actually going down, you know, a- actually happening in real life. Apparently it does happen because I believe this movie is based on a couple articles or or books or something like that. But I, I don't know. Like to me watching this, especially with Ben Foster, who I love, Ben Foster, uh, it, it, to me it was Ben Foster playing – a character. You know, Ben Foster acting like I never really got the sense that he was actually this father who was suffering from PTSD, I uh, I suppose, who really needed to live his life or who could only live out his life in in nature, you know, being away from people. However, the true heart and soul of this movie is the is the is the girl, is the daughter. And I am pulling up her name really quick. Uh, and of course, her name is Thomason McKenzie. Wonderful. Uh, she has a handful of crying scenes, moments in this film, and it's truly heartbreaking. She She's fantastic. I think she is definitely an, an early contender for, a, uh, for an Academy Award. Uh, possibly Best Actress Academy Award, because I'm pretty sure they both share top billing (laughs) and uh it's 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 a it's a very nice it's just a lovely drama um and and incredibly well made and well shot um you know despite not fully believing these characters or buying into these characters or really the situation as a whole uh, I enjoyed the movie just as a movie. You know, just as a drama. And it just works 100%. Uh, well, I guess not technically 100% since I gave it only a, a 4 out of 5. But there are definitely other nitpicky uh, aspects. However, this is really not a movie worth getting into those nitpicky, uh, you know, issues. So I'm just going to leave it at that. 4 out of 5. Awesome! Awesome! All right. Well, next week's movies—that
0: brings us to the end of the movies, of course. So next week's movies are going to be Christopher Robin, Eighth Grade, and Blind Spotting. Uh, you know, assuming Movie Pass isn't stupid and we're flush with cash, uh, apparently. Uh, <laughs> so, without further ado, I think we're down to the spiel, are we not, sir?
1: Spiel on.
0: Mr. Lodge, I have a Lieutenant Hightower Tell him I'm
1: not in You're on speaker,
0: sir What happened to you? Oh, uh, horsing around with uh, my kid He's got a mean right He does So, any new progress on the investigation? A mobster got killed a couple of days ago I'm sorry for his loss Of life? Yeah, I guess he probably is too. Well, the music you've been listening to, as always, has been brought to Aspire Music Partners for Rise of Solace. You can check them out at Rearnation.com and facebook.com, both, slash, Cries of Solace. As for us, we are, of course, the SLS Cast. You can find us at slscast.com. You can send us an email to the show at slscast.com. You can follow us on Twitter, at the SLScast. You can follow me, this is Matt, on Twitter, at nitwit12345. You can, of course, come aboard that information superhighway and track down Tim on Twitter, if that's your heart's desire. Don't forget, you can always subscribe to us on iTunes and or favorite us on Stitcher Radio, as well as track us down on the old SoundCloud. And so until next week. This is Matt saying that thanks to Keith Stanfield, I get to say this. My focus is anything that allows me to express myself. Rap, dance,
1: photography, those are my forms of expression. Take care, cinephiles, and we'll talk at you again next week. Madam, perhaps we should be going. Oh, very well, monsieur. Thank you so much. So nice to see you. And I hope very much we will see you again very soon. Au revoir, monsieur.